you like. This will make you hot. What? <laughs> Welcome to the Vigilant Minority. This is a Carefree Black Nerd Review podcast covering the 1986 comic book series, Watchmen. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and this is the Vigilant Minority, Chapter 2, Absent Friends. Now, when you're listening to this show, live tweet and comment using the hashtag TVMPod or Vigilant Minority Pod. This podcast is available on your favorite podcast listening apps, so please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. This helps the podcast show up in those pesky Apple algorithms on lists and all that good stuff. So, check out the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc., etc., etc. Now, diving in, Chapter 2, Absent Friends. Okay, so the release date for this issue was October of 1986. The creative team is still writer Alan Moore, illustrator, letterer David Gibbons, colorist John Higgins. Now, there is a guy really quickly who shows up twice. Um, He's shown up in the first issue, and so of course I'm going to pay closer attention to him. He's, again, that disheveled guy with the red hair. He's coded as a homeless person, and his sign reads, The End is Nigh. Nigh? N-I-G-H. Um, he gets very much that 80s, 90s homeless guy in a TV show or movie talking about the end of the world is coming and whatnot. Like the quote-unquote crazy person who's like, the not necessarily comic relief, but the thing to help you kind of um, distrust those types of people. Okay, so instead of attending Edward Blake's funeral... Lori visits her mother, Sally Jupiter, who was the first Silk Spectre, at her retirement home in California. Sally remembers the night that the comedian attempted to rape her after the first photo shoot of the Minutemen. That was the first costume hero organization. As the comedian starts to sexually assault Sally, a fellow hero interrupts and attacks the comedian. That was Hooded Justice. So with this, we get a um, kind of a split story. Uh, Two things happening at once. There is the funeral for the comedian, and there is uh, Lori visiting her mother, Sally. Uh, The funeral is dark and gloomy, and the the funeral, the um, visit to the mom at the nursing home is bright and sunny in California. So Lori brings her mother flowers. She's asking, where's John? Oh, you know, he's off dealing with some some business, a funeral, and she's like, oh, that's so sad, you know, is there anybody who I would know? She was like, nah, I'm just some little official thing. So her mom's like, man, it's Eddie Blake, right? She's like, mom, I, nah, Lori, don't treat me like no damn kid. I can still read. I saw that shit in the paper. He got murdered. So pretty much she's like, man, you babying me. Um, I'm your mama. Don't do that shit. So she says, I guess he finally reached that punchline, huh? Poor Eddie. And I like this because we got a back and forth of a mother and daughter. We got Lori and Sally. And Lori just doesn't understand. How the fuck can you say that after what he almost did? She's like, man, look, you're young. You don't know. Things change. What happened happened 40 years ago. Now, at this time, it looks like Lori is loading a pipe or like a cigarette or something. And um, mom's like, no, that shit is history. She talking about she being Lori. Yeah, well, the 50s. Mm, I never forgive somebody who did that to me. And 
it's a conversation to be had, especially with the Me Too movement going on and so many people um, having been exposed for uh, sexual assault throughout the years. And this is something that was written 33 years ago, written, printed, colored, lettered and all that. And to have that type of conversation still be kind of the norm now is horrible. Um and it's very timely, like reading this, it feels like if you update the clothing, it you could put that in 2019 right now. But I do like it that it's two women having this conversation, not a man and a woman. I like that there are two women discussing this. Even though they have these different kind of opposing viewpoints, it's still two women. Though it's written by a man, I would like to see what a conversation like this looks like by a woman or women writers and creators. But... That's neither here nor there. So, um, there, she's talking about perspective. Sally is. She's like, you know, getting old, you get a different perspective. The big stuff looks smaller somehow. And in the end, you just wash your hands of it and shut it away. And while she's saying this, we, you know, cut back and forth to the funeral. We get this bloody hand holding something with these gloves with the ho- with the fingers cut out. And it turns out to be that disheveled homeless guy at the cemetery kind of in front of the cemetery while everyone else is going in. We have the pastor or reverend or whoever giving the eulogy. Um, and Lori is smoking and her mama is being, I ain't gonna say being dramatic, but she was talking just fine. And now it's, uh, she goes from, <laughs> plus it's a beautiful day, you know, <clears throat> you know, you and John ought to move out here and the weather was nice and it's better than New York today, huh? And she said, oh, well, that <coughs> lots of sunshine. It's like vitamins. It's healthy. And being healthy is what counts. Never mind all that smart New York living. I mean, without your health, where are you? At my age, <coughs> you want to take care of yourself or your butt. <coughs> so, she's so fucking shady. She's doing all this shit so that uh, Lori can put that cigarette up. And she mad. Talking about some, mom, it's okay. You don't need to open more doors or windows. Look, I'm putting it out, okay? It's dead. Extinguished. So throughout all of this, Sally then got her butt up off this bed in her nightgown, opening windows. Well, put on a robe. Opening windows and doors because her daughter smoking. Just like, why are you lighting up at a, like, old folks home? But, whatever. So, um, you know, they're, they're discussing the current state of affairs and Sally's like, look, it's, it's only, it's three, it's three minute men here. That's it. Like there's no, it's me, um, Hollis Mason and Byron Lewis, um, in the bug house in Maine. I don't know what that means. Um, she said, funny. Eddie was the youngest, always joking about how old we were. He said he'd bury us. You see, that was Eddie always talking like he was on top of it. Like it was never going to happen to him. He was the comedian. He always thought he'd get the last laugh. And it's like, <laughs> I like this. Um, yeah, so they go back and forth. And then we get a camera flash and we hit that flashback where the comedian, after a photo shoot and everybody decided to leave and go do some other stuff, Sally, the Silk Spectre, you know, she held, she hung back to change her clothes. Now, I want to mention this just because it's relevant for later. She has, her uniform is like fishnet stockings. Um, I don't know if these are heels or boots. And they're purple. Then you have a yellow sleeveless shirt dress thing. Doesn't come, it comes like to the top of her 
womanhood. Shit, I'll say that. Um, and this like choker thing, whatever. She looks very much of the time. That being said, whew, we move on. And so um, everyone's like, okay, we're going to, uh, the meeting is over. Listen, everyone, we're going to meet in the lobby in five minutes. Then we'll go back to the Owlsness for a beer. She says, fine, you guys go ahead. I got to change. While she's changing, she hears a voice. Hi. She turns around. Eddie, what the hell are you doing? You knew I was changing. He says, and I quote, sure I did. You announced it loud enough. Come on, baby. I know you need, I know what you need. You got to have some reason for wearing that outfit like this, huh? She says, Eddie, no, which no means no. And pretty much while he's attacking her, she scratches his eyes, his face. He grabs his face. He's mad. He gets to punching her, whooping her ass. She's on the ground, face first, bloody nose. He's pulling off his pants. Then somebody comes back. Sally, what's keeping you? Of course, that is whoever, but the hooded, the hooded justice. Um, and he whoops this motherfucker's ass. He whoops his ass. He whoops the comedian's ass. The comedian's like, uh-huh, this what you like. Now, he got his ass whooped. And this is what he's saying to the hood of justice. This is what you like, huh? This is what gets you hot. This is like, bruh, you just got your ass beat. So um, hood of justice yells at him, get out. Uh-huh, sure, I'm going, but I got your number, see? And and one of these days, the joke's going to be on you. I'm like, what? You just, like, what? Leave. So he's leaving. And we see Sally on the ground, the Silk Spectre. He says, get up. And for God's sake, cover yourself. Like, and I don't know if I'm reading that too aggressively or if it's like, oh man, for God's sake, cover yourself. It, it seems more aggressive than it probably supposed to be. Eh. So, um, all that happens, we still get this argument between the two. And uh, then we move on to the funeral. So, Adrian Veet, Dan Dreberg, and John Osterman pays their respects. Veet calls recalls rather the failed proposal of organizing the crime busters this would have been a second costume heroes league now the comedian during this flashback speaks out to talk about like this is trash this is stupid we all gonna be dead in like less than 30 years nuclear war is gonna destroy the world and this intelligent motherfucker ozymandias is just gonna be the most intelligent man of um a ball of ashes and it's a very interesting Seeing because he calls out a lot of stuff like, you know, you you would just be doing this for fame. Like, how are we really supposed to change the world when it's like a group of 40 of us? Not really 40, but such a large group of us. And uh, homeboy is like, as a man is, it doesn't require genius to see that America has problems that need tackling. Um, uh, 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 the comedian cuts his ass off. <laughs> he like, damn straight. And it takes a moron to think that they're small enough for you clowns to handle. What's going down in this world? You got no idea. Believe me. And uh, so Ozymandias' response is, I think I'm as well informed as anyone giving correct handling. None of the problems of the world are insurmountable. Uh, all it takes is a little intelligence. <laughs> Smart mouth nigga talking about what you've got in spades, right? You people are a joke. You hear Moloch's back in town. You think, oh boy, let's gang up and bust them. You think that matters? You think that solves anything? It don't matter, squat. Let me show you how it doesn't matter. And so he pulls on his lighter and burns up this uh, map that was presented with like the different issues of the, of the world, like pros, um, promiscuity, um, drugs, uh back unrest like just a bunch of silly shit 
And so he lights his cigarette and he walks out. And he was um kind of speaks to Ozymandias is like, look, it's gonna be the smartest man of of on oh Lord, I can speak y'all. You're going to be the smartest man on Cinder instead of the Earth. Um, pardon me, but I got an appointment. See you in the funny papers. So I really like that flashback because it sets up a lot. And a lot of this is, is showing us what type of person the comedian was um, and kind of what we're dealing with here. And though he's dead, it's like you're still living on through these flashbacks and these recollections. And I really like that. I really, really like that. I think this this um, this book does a really good job with it. Now, um, during the sermon, Dr. Manhattan remembers an encounter on the last day of the Vietnam War. So the comedian and him are talking, fireworks are going off, they're talking, well, the comedian is talking shit. And Dr. Manhattan remembers a Vietnamese woman who is pregnant, visibly pregnant, coming up to the comedian talking about, you just gonna leave, you just gonna leave me? And it wasn't aggressive. It was more like pleading, like, what are you doing? Like, I must talk with you. He's like, look, we ain't got nothing to talk about. I'm leaving, I'm leaving Saigon, I'm going to New York. She's talking about you'll walk away from me. You're walking with this, me and the baby. And like, yeah, hell yeah, I will. Um, she said, but me, I cannot walk away from this. It's growing in my belly. I cannot forget this. He says, well, that's unfortunate because that's what I'm going to do. Forget you. Forget your cruddy little country. All of it. This man is like set up to be the worst of the worst. And she said, I don't think so. No, she said, I do not think so. I think you remember me and my country. I think you remember as long as you live. He turns around and she slashes his freaking face with a broken glass bottle. His response, my face. What did you do, you bitch? You hurt my face, you whore. You filthy, thinking, worthless. And here comes Manhattan. He's like, man, calm down. He pulls his gun out. He being the comedian, points it at this woman. And he shoots her dead. Now. Dr. Manhattan witnessed the whole thing. The comedian calls Dr. Manhattan out on this because he's like, oh, you shot her. You killed her. She was she was pregnant. Now, this is funny because, not funny, ha-ha funny, but this is funny because I was thinking the exact same thing that the comedian said. We just saw in the last issue that Dr. Manhattan has the ability to kind of sort of control reality. He blinked Rorschach out of his lab. He could have easily did the same with that gun or that nameless Vietnamese lady, which, like, she could have gotten a bit more backstory than that. Like, there's so many things that he could have done in that instance that he did not do. Now, that is unless he didn't have that ability yet, but I'm going to assume that he did because what did um, uh, 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 the comedian say? He was like, man, fuck you. Like, you watch me. You could have changed the gun into a uh, steam, um, uh, the bullets into mercury, or the bottle into snowflakes. You could have teleported either of us from uh, here to Australia, but you didn't lift a finger. You don't really give a damn about humans being, I, human beings, excuse me. I've watched you. You never cared about, what's her name, Janie Slater, even, even before you dished her. You're drifting out of touch. You're turning into a flake. God help us all. And it's like, damn, like, yeah, he's the villain. He's the bad guy, but he's making some very valid points at the expense of a dead woman and her baby. But still, he's making some valid points. You really don't give a damn. Now, at the same funeral, 
Dan Dreberg, Dreiberg, whatever, thinks about the time spent with the comedian. And this was during the riots caused by a protest. Now here, the comedian seems to really, really enjoy repelling the angry mob. He hit them with smoke bombs and a bunch of other stuff. Like, he is gung-ho, like, we, I don't give a day. And then some of the wording, the crowd is yelling at him, calling him a pig, a rapist. Um, we don't want vigilantes. We want regular cops. This one lady calls him the F bomb. <laughs> My son is a police officer. You, and he's, he throws a bunch of shit. Like he clears the, the road, but you can tell that he's really enjoying this. It. Like some sort of psychopath. Um, and there is a woman spray painting who watches the watchman on a brick wall. He shoots at her. So she runs away. Which is like, God dang, man. So he reads it and he's like, yeah, you know, I like that. Um, you know, we are the American dream. Uh, let me see. Well, I like this. Uh, I like when things get weird. You know, all the cars on the table. Uh, the American dream came true. Uh, just a bunch of like, he's a lot. And I, it's, not okay i'm gonna say unfortunate for lack of a better term but him being dead it's like damn like all, all the stuff that's coming out about his past it would have been interesting to see him in present day of the book interacting but i mean we're getting our just our feel from the flashbacks and recollections and stuff but dang man so um moving on october 16 1985 when Rorschach sees the former costume villain Moloch leaving Blake's funeral, he questioned excuse me, he questioned him about the comedian's death. And Moloch describes the comedian visiting him while drunk late one night, nearly a week before his death. He was like he he appeared worried, fearful, saddened. Um he was mentioning vague activities that happened on some island, an island full of scientists and artists and writers. Um, he also accused Moloch of being part of this uh, because he saw his name on a list. After hearing this, Rorschach is like, man, this don't seem right. He could be lying to me. So um, they did a good job of drawing him very manic. He didn't necessarily look drunk, but he looked like it was a lot going on. And he was trying to kind of get his handle on, which I, I, I found that interesting. I do like that. Again, we're getting all of these pieces in parts of the comedian out of order but they're creating this 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 kind of bigger we're filling in the gaps that we don't know about through other people's um observations and i do enjoy that um so rushex like yeah man whatever well i searched the house before you got here and i found these illegal drugs you gotta get the hell up out i'm gonna take you to jail man he's like man come on you can't be serious. First of all, I ain't been to Moloch since I've been in jail. I was in jail since the 70s. I told you everything I know. Um, it was like, you know, look, I heard uh, maybe it didn't work. But when you're desperate, you'll try anything. Um, talking about the drugs. He was like, I got cancer. So Rorschach silly ass talking about what kind of cancer. I'm thinking, does it fucking matter? So homeboy's like, uh, well, you know, the kind of cancer that you eventually get better from. Well, it ain't that kind of cancer. I'm like, man. So, uh, Rorschach's like, yeah, very well. Well, I wrote down the name of the company. I'll report them later. You off the hook for now. So, he got these illegal drugs that's helping him with his cancer. And you're not about to take him into jail for it, but you're going to go after the company that's supplying it to him. Which is like, eh, I don't know. I mean, eh, yeah. I don't know if this will come back later. It may, but I'm just like, eh. 
This man has turned his life around. The biggest thing you have on him is that he left Rush, um, the comedian's funeral. Then what? What do you? I don't know. I guess. So he walks through town, red light district. It looks like. 42nd Street, women's breasts draped across every billboard, every display, lightning the sidewalk. I was offered Swedish love uh, and French love, but not American love. American love, like Coke and green glass bottles. They don't make it anymore. Thought about Moloch's story on the way to that cemetery. Could all be lies. Could all be part of a revenge scheme planned during his time behind bars. But if true, then what? Puzzling references to an island. Also, to Dr. Manhattan. Might he be a risk in some way? So many questions. Never mind answers. Soon, nothing is insoluble. Nothing is hopeless. Not while there's life. And okay, he's so dramatic. I love it though. I want a copy of his journal. So he's walking to the um to the grave of uh, Edward, Mister the comedian, and we see again what happened. Him, his, him being murdered all over again. We see um him getting cut in the face. By the lady with the bottle, we see him um, on the streets uh, with the civilians. We see him drunk in the retelling of the story by Moloch. Like we're seeing all of this, and uh, we're getting the narration from Rorschach, and he's like, you know, uh, the future is bearing down like an express train. Uh, Blake understood, treated it like a joke, but he understood. He saw the cracks in society, saw the little men in mass trying to hold it together. He saw the true face of the 20th century and chose to become a rec- a, ref- a reflection a reflection of it a parody of it no one else saw the joke that's why he was lonely I heard a joke once man goes to the doctor says he's depressed says life seems harsh and cruel says he feels all alone in a threatening world where what lies ahead is vague and uncertain doctor says treatment is simple great clown palate pe- mm. The great clown Palagili <laughs> is in town tonight. Go and see him. That should pick you up. The man bursts into tears, says, But doctor, I am Palagili. <laughs> I know I said that name wrong, but oh well. <laughs> you get the gist. And we end on that last panel, um, on this page rather, of the comedian being thrown out the window. So he says, Good joke. Everybody laugh. Roll on snare drum curtains. Now this is very good. Again, I remember seeing the movie, but I don't remember if this was um, uh, referenced. Where we get the comedian falling from the sky, red. Um, he, the camera closes in. When it says curtains, the whole panel is red. You pull out from a red rose. Rorschach picks it up and leaves. He says his little last goodbyes. Now this was a very lackluster ending for me. I enjoyed the story and this made sense and this ending did not get in the way of me enjoying it, but it didn't get me like the last one did. Like I'm still holding, I'm still in this thing for the long haul, but it just didn't do it for me. So I don't know. How do you feel about this chapter in Watchmen? Do you feel more prepared for the HBO show? Premiering Sunday, October 20th, 2019. If so, let me know. Use the hashtag TVMPod. Of course, again, that's the official hashtag of the Carefree Black Nerd Review Show. Use that when you're live tweeting this episode. Use that when you're live tweeting and watching Watchmen Live on October 20th, 2019, Sunday night. (laughs) Let me know. 
Um, yeah, so I'm I'm interested. I'm 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 liking this. I'm liking what they're putting down. So guys, um, I want you all stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and really quickly, if you need to hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred, all other social media, Carefree Black Nerd, email carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com and we out.